Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on power electronics technologies and products featured on powerelectronicsnews.com and through other Aspencore media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial and consumer. Here is your host, Editor-in-Chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEWeb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of uh, Power Up. Today, we will talk about uh, automotive and uh, semiconductor, the intersection of automotive and semiconductor industries. The connection between OEMs, tier one suppliers, and semiconductor business is changing rapidly in automotive technology. From supply chain disruptions to electrification, the sector is moving toward self-sufficiency and innovation. OEMs are vertically integrating important components and technology. They seek to improve productivity and reduce supply interruptions by lowering tier one supplier dependence. Semiconductor firms are entering tier one area to expand their dominance. These uh, companies, semiconductor companies, are moving beyond chip manufacturing using their computer and uh, digitalization expertise. They are currently building uh, full modules, systems, and software solutions, providing an exciting new income stream and eliminating tier one intermediaries. In this podcast with Frank uh, Heidemann, VP and technology leader, SCT at NI, National Instruments, we delve into the complexity of this uh, transformative journey. We explore how OEMs are becoming more self-sufficient, how semiconductor companies are carving out new paths, and how electrification is reshaping the automotive and semiconductor industries. Let's talk with Frank. Hi, Frank. Thanks a lot for joining uh, in Power Up. How are you? I'm doing good, Mauricio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So today we will talk uh, several topics, okay, automotive, uh, semiconductor, and so on. But uh, before that, before going uh, forward, so let us know more about you. Tell me about your background. Yeah, thank you. So right now I'm the CEO of SET. We're doing power semiconductor reliability test systems and involved in a lot of power semiconductor related topics like the EQG324 in the ECP. And uh, at the same time, I'm a VP in NI um, for technology in power semiconductor and traveling around the world, helping customers to understand the challenges in semiconductor reliability testing, especially in wide band gaps, silicon carbide, gallium nitrate, and upcoming challenges in the automotive world. My personal background, I'm an um, engineer in uh, communication and RF electronics, worked a long time in the aerospace world, uh, came then to the automotive world, and then over 23 years built SET, and uh, finally doing a lot of power semiconductor, um, especially reliability tests and end-of-line test systems. So as uh, I mentioned uh, at the start uh, uh, for our users, our readers, we we will talk about the intersection of automotive and semiconductor industries. So electrification is is booming and uh, power electronics is uh, is important for uh, so is an important uh, powertrain uh, component as uh, the automotive industry quickly shift to EV to electric vehicles. Um 
powered electronics technology optimizes the performance, optimizes uh, efficiency. How critical is power electronics uh, in uh, increasing vehicle efficiency in the context of electrified uh, powertrain? Uh, what are some examples of how power electronics is, uh, is shaping the future of uh, automotive electrification? Well, I mean, there is no EV without power electronics. So it's the most important um, piece of the electrification and moving towards uh, the electrification of our traffic and traffic system and transportation systems. But as you said, the, the, the efficiency is mainly driven by two factors. It's the power electronic and, and their algorithms, and then at the same time, the power semiconductors behind. And then the other side, which delivers the energy, um, is the battery. So all the battery technologies um, and the optimization of efficiency, weight, and integration in the automotive world is really driving the efficiency. And and when we see some examples, what really changes the, the complete industry right now is the change from silicon to silicon carbide, where we have in, um, a dramatically increase of efficiency in the power semiconductor and then directly in the power electronics as well. And at the same time, the battery, which increases their efficiency, which increases their capacitance uh, with new technology, where we see solid batteries coming um, with the next generation, and then really shaping the industry towards um absolute usable transportation system. Uh, when we think about the first generations of EVs where we had charging times of hours, right? And now the new generations, which we have right now on market, where you can go from 20 to 80% in almost 17 minutes um, with an efficiency, which is um, unbelievable higher than the first ones. And at the same time, you can charge your house privately with your car. This technology and the power semiconductor and power electronics really, really drives that market and the ability to build systems like that, uh, which we can affordable buy and use in our daily lives. When we are talking about the uh, automotive industry, um, I can mention uh, verti- verticalization. So the concept yeah. of vertical- verticalization that is uh, is gaining uh, momentum. Uh, how does this uh, shift impact uh, traditional tier one suppliers? And uh, maybe what are the challenges, the benefits for OEMs in, uh, in bringing critical components and technologies in house? Ouch. <laughs> this is a, this is an ouch topic, I think. Yeah, that's absolutely true, right? Verticalization is a, is a huge trend, what we see in our automotive world right now. It started obviously with the battery technology where OEMs bought battery packs basically and built it in their cars and then out of sudden starting to be the biggest battery companies on, on the world. And every, every newspaper carries a newsletter where a new OEM builds a giga company, a giga factory for batteries all over the place. And the same thing happens now with power electronics. Um, they, these, these big OEMs really trying to get a lot of traction in the power semiconductor world as well as in the power electronics world. And that makes completely sense out of multiple reasons. One is the independency from tier one suppliers after that shortage of semiconductors they went through the last three years and really had problem to build systems and sell cars. But the other one is if we think about the technical challenges OEMs had and what their market share was, um, we had combustion engines, basically a variable which was highly sufficient and highly technical uh, as an as a border of entrance for other companies. It was very, very complex to build a combustion engine. 
And out of, out of a sudden, that 120-year-old technology where they really gained so much technology competence went away, and we have an electrical motor. The electrical motor is a, basically a couple of windings, sometimes with magnets, sometimes without. But this is it, basically, right? There is no... There's no competence field anymore for them left. And out of a sudden, the tier one suppliers um, really dominate the competence, the domain expertise, the efficiency, all about what a car is, is in hands of tier one suppliers, right? So all these OEMs, they bought the systems and then became out of a sudden an assembly company, right? And if we would bring it down to a bad way, you could say, well, OEMs became metal benders. That's it. Anything else was a bought system from somewhere else. And this is not a sufficient um, position for an OEM. They need to have the, the, the core competency of a core, compend- uh, uh, the, the core domain of a car in their hands. And this is today two things. It's power electronics and the, and the electrical motor. And on the other hand, the battery pack and the energy, which feeds that thing. So there is a verticalization, what we see in batteries, electronic and power semiconductors. And this is absolutely critical for some tier one suppliers I, where you can see that they will lose market share over time uh, be, when when these OEM become their own tier one suppliers for a portion of the electronic in the car. Before moving um, in terms of semiconductor companies, um, let's me let, let me share one one question. So automotive OEMs uh, uh, is becoming are becoming more tech driven, and uh, what challenges in this case about uh, integrating? technology, complex technology solution within the vehicles, uh, because we need to, to balance the safety and the reliability. So how do they balance the need for them? So oh, that's, that's, a, that's a big question. That's a big question. So it's in this question that we have multiple aspects. So first of all, they become vertical integrated technology companies who need to build their technology muscles again, you know, moving back from uh, away from the combustion engine towards electrification. But at the same time, they need to be expert in software because cars and the experience of an EV is not only driving from A to B. It is the experience in software, the capability of um, changing the software, the features and putting that all in a car, which the experience is a complete different one than it was before. And then building these muscles of technology in the same time being reliable and at the same time driving the technology towards safety. And um, EV is not the, the last thing in the world, right? EV is just the beginning of a transformation, um, self-driving cars with services where you just dial on your mobile phone or the Uber driver anymore. You probably dial in and you you order a car which has no driver in the future. And we see that already in big, big towns in America when we see, for example, in Austin, where you see hundreds of self-driving cars with no drivers anymore. And you can really call them by an app. So the car as a status quo and really owning it was a real thing, especially in Europe, becomes just a service piece which has completely different challenges. Differently from reliability, because you will have multiple mileages than you had before, but at the same time, reliability it has a completely different aspect. Reliability was at today always in the hand of the driver, at least the safety of the reliability. Reliability of cars, I mean, this is, uh, this is an issue and it changes in electric key, but safety is what the driver has in, had in his hand. And when we talk about EVs, 
who drive autonomously, safety is a huge field of discussion, right? Who is deciding to do what and who is responsible in this field? So the, the, the domain of safety reliability and challenges they, they go through is multi, multi-dimensional. Um, and they, as you can see, right, even big companies really struggle to make that transition as fast as they would like to do it. And on the other hand, our semiconductor companies uh, adapting to to meet the the demand, the specific demand of the automotive industry. For sure, uh, automotive industry is continuing, continues uh, its transition to electric vehicles. So we have, this is an important step. What role do you see semiconductor companies playing uh, in uh, in this in this market? In uh, so. In shaping the future of uh, mobility, maybe beyond power, just power electronics. Well, in, it is as in power electronics, basically in almost all new technology fields in and out in the automotive world, really changing. And this is changing the relation between the semiconductor companies and the OEMs, where we had multiple tier ones and tier twos in between for ADA systems, for LiDAR, for radar, for EV, for traction, for battery. Um, they dive more into the more competence fields of technology and in the EV and battery field, obviously really being the tier one for themselves and have the direct connections to the battery companies or to the chemical companies and on the semiconductor to the semicon companies. So this is for the semicon companies really changing their customer field and they're changing their perspective of how making business and then at the same time supporting that enormous fast transition towards a complete new technology field. So it changes really a lot for the semiconductor companies. They become from a um, ABC supplier out of a sudden a very important piece of the supply chain of the OEMs. And you can tell by, if you look to the market, how these OEMs now control these suppliers much more directly and better controlled, especially in, in terms of what the future brings and what features they need in the future. And then we're not talking about IA, where we have um, virtual machines, virtual computers with, you know, the power of making decisions in real life and real time. And that will change uh, really a lot of relation from semiconductor companies to the OEMs, where is not too much place in between for, for tier one suppliers anymore. Um, anyway, there's a lot of space for tier one suppliers and tier two suppliers in the car because I don't think that OEMs really dive in any in each of these pieces. There's a lot of uh, systems in the car where they don't dive into, but the main systems they real, really need to have control on, which is software, um, artificial intelligence in the cars, or the decision-making process, and the powertrain in a car will be the most fields they dive in and really gain market share um, to be able to yeah, provide the reliability and the safety what they need for the future car. So um, these companies, semiconductor companies, uh, uh, for sure are, are using uh, their uh, uh, expertise, strengths in uh, computing, uh, dig dig digitalization with the goal to, to expand uh, their uh, manufacturing, cheap uh, manufacturing. Uh, how are these companies uh, successfully creating a, a new revenue stream? by using or by providing, maybe it's better, modules, systems, and software solutions directly to uh, to customers. What we what we see right now in the semiconductor market is they're they adding um, 
revenue streams to their basic field, what they had before. Um, you can tell by, for example, autonomous driving cars. And when we take as an example, NVIDIA, which not providing any more only semiconductors, which they do not have in house anyway, right? but they do not only provide the base plate. They also provide complete systems. And then now on top of that, they provide complete software systems and frameworks and integration work and, and actually almost owning the expertise of autonomous driving and analyzing um, radar, leader, and camera signals. So this this really expanded their revenue stream, but on the same moment, it expands the relationship to the OEMs and the necessity to really work together and innovate together. And this is almost on all platforms. The same thing is valid probably for power semiconductors as well, where these companies not providing a chip to the world and the world chooses the chip. It's more redesigning chips for these customers. We're seeing the requirements, we're talking with them, with, there is an innovation path forward, and then these big companies really designing chips toward the application. And then at the same time, having long-term relation and contracts like over 10 years of supplying these uh, OEMs and guaranteeing um, the supply chain for, for example, uh, silicon carbide, carbon nitrate, or even um, silicon on, on IGBTs, and then innovating with the customer together to get modules built, which yeah, fulfill their demands and requirements. Um, when you, when we, when we see right now that we have a renaissance of silicon where we combine silicon IGBTs with silicon carbide fats in one module to make it more efficient and cheaper and, and uh, financially more attractive and at the same time having gaining the performance on silicon carbide. So there's a, a, um, an intense trend towards a intense working together and innovate together in this market. Great. So uh, I have uh, other other questions. One one about uh, collaboration, one about uh, skill sets, and uh, a last a last one uh, like uh, conclusion, maybe a comment about uh, GAN and Sinon Garbite. Let's start about collaboration. So with the, the converge of automotive and uh, uh, semiconductor industry is important. Uh, also uh, driving innovation by collaboration. Uh, so how important is uh, collaboration in this in this regard? Maybe uh, can you share some uh, example, successful example of uh, collaborations? To be able to um, innovate as fast as the automotive world needs to innovate, and this is really a change in the in the behavior. When we when we look back into the past, that a new generation of a car took basically eight years to be developed and to be on the market, and right now we are in a kind of development cycle of one and a half years. So this is a dramatic change in the world of technology in the automotive world, and this is really changing their process life. But at the same time, there's not only, if you if you want to innovate that fast, and if you want to be at upfront of that development, there's basically no way to just feed requirements down and then wait for an answer for all these suppliers and integrate into your system. What you need to do is that forward-looking collaboration path um, to get, yeah, Strength of out of all the supply chain people, the, the you know the smart brains, and then innovate as fast as possible. Where everybody needs to take the new technology and put it in one space and get the innovation um, increased as fast as as fast as possible, right? And then when we when we looking for um, successful examples, we will we will see them everywhere, right? We talk about Nvidia um, is is one good example where. 
a lot of people innovated together, but not talking about a special company, also like on, on standard level, when we're talking about qualification standards, this is maybe a very good example, right? There's a, there's a qualification standard, um, called AQG324. It's the Automotive Qualification Guideline 324, which defines the qualification for power semiconductor modules in automotive world. Um, why I'm telling this is, there is a huge collaboration between the automotive OEMs and the semiconductor industry where they really sit together and innovate together on these standards and really looking forward um, to get the best into the standard and the best out of the standard for everybody in the market without having any borders between semiconductor and OEMs anymore. Um, a very open discussions. And these discussions happens because we need to innovate so fast. There's no time to discuss it back and forth and, you know, send it in and somebody has a comment. It's we need to work together, sit together in a room and nail it down as fast as possible, because otherwise the market just passes by and we just lost it. So innovation speed makes us in the semiconductor and automotive world collab collaborating a lot. Great point. So, and uh, how this will will uh, would impact the workforce in uh, both industries? There are are there new skill sets, talent, talents in demand as a, a result of these uh, transformations? Well, I think the <laughs> demand is so much higher than what we have on the market. That I'm not sure if we need more more change than we have today. But it is absolutely true, right? Um, Power semiconductor, um, communication, electronics, FPGI technology, AI in, in autonomous cars, all skill sets, which we haven't yeah. talked 10 years ago. And as you know, I mean, you cannot study in a year and being an expert. So it takes a while. And this new market trend in automotive world really is a black hole for talents right now. We cannot teach people fast enough to get all the talents we need. And this is what we see on the market. It's basically an empty market where we really, yeah, need to take care of all these talents and um, help them growing fast to, yeah, get system develop, uh, de developed as fast as possible with the resources we have. So there's a huge, huge demand on the market, which is generated by a enormously growing market. If you look in the power semi market or even in the EV market, it's growing with double digit numbers, 20% um, annually and some companies in the EV world growing 120 and 220%. And that's not the little ones. They producing 10 cars last year and 20 cars this year. When we're talking about big growth, it's like companies who are building 1.8 million EV cars last year and they will build 2.8 million this year. And this is an, this is an insane market growth. It's a market growth, which we cannot or a market demand, which we cannot basically not feed right now. Good. So, uh, in conclusion, really, really nice talking with you, Frank. Just my last, my last one, uh, in conclusion, what are prediction, expectations, your comment, uh, for the future of, uh, automotive and semiconductor industries? Maybe a comment about, uh, gallium nitride and silver bite. They are working together, uh, in, uh, electric vehicles. Maybe without them, we can't have, uh, Electric vehicles. This is just my comment. Uh, tell me. Well, I think we can have electrical vehicles without gallium nitride and silicon carbide, but it wouldn't be fun at all, right? The mileage would be short. The time of charging a car would be in 
enormous long over a day and it's not usable anymore. So these new white dead materials, as, as you said, it is a major play for the growth of the EV market. And we see these high performance cars and special high charging um, systems using gallium nitride onboard charger and then silicon carbide for the inverter to increase the efficiency and reduce the, the weight, especially the system weight and the system integration is really driven by these new materials. And you can tell that uh, also by the by the market demand, um, there was a comment from a big CEO from a German semiconductor company who said, whenever we spend, when all power semiconductor companies spend their completely certain money into power semiconductor, they still are not able to serve the market demand for the next six years. And there are companies out there who spend more than their revenue in investment every year over year because the silicon carbide market is growing something between 30 and 40 percent a year and it's not ending it's an exponential growth right now and there's so much to do um, in the silicon carbide and gallium nitride world and when we're talking about silicon carbide in inverter technologies then we will see that gallium nitride will be in five till ten years the next technology change where we have even more efficiency and higher frequency, higher switching frequency and better integration into the systems. And then at the same time, we have a huge integration of IA in all that systems. We will see enormous progress in self-driving systems and autonomous driving systems. We see it already. Um, nobody believed it that we had EV tolls flying as a taxi. So a flying taxi with not a not a pilot on board. And we will see that in the near future. And the same thing will happen in the automotive industry. So that change what we see right now will keep us really busy for the next couple of decades, I think. We see a great future. Thank you so much, Frank. Thanks a lot for joining us in Power Up. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of this episode. Stay tuned with more news and technical aspects about power electronics. If you are listening to this on the podcast page at eetimes.com or powerelectronicsnews.com, links to articles on topics we have discussed are shown on this page. Power Up is brought to you by Aspen Core Media. The host is Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio and the producer is James Ede.